coming up on this week's episode of That's How I Roll. Hey, guess what? My sister got married over the weekend. I'm going to tell you about all of those festivities. And we're going to take a look at Archmage from Starling Games. A great, great game that just released from them. And the word on the street is going to include stuff about our ongoing contest for the new year. And I need your help for a Christmas party that's coming up. Wait a minute. It's January. What are you talking about? All that and more on That's How I Roll. Coming up right now. Buckle up. It's time for That's How I Roll with Jeremiah Isley, a podcast about the games we play and the lives we live. That's How I Roll is presented by Theology of Games. Visit theologyofgames.com for the latest in tabletop gaming, news, reviews, and interviews. And now, here's Jeremiah. Yeah! Hey, how's it going, everybody? So here's the deal. Uh, Sleep deprivation has set in. So I have to be either way over the top or I'm just going to fall asleep. So you've kind of got a souped up high energy version of me today. Here's a fun little fact. It's been, oh my goodness, it's almost 13 years now. It's almost been 13 years that I have gone without caffeine. So uh, I, I will say there's been a few days in the last month or so that I have seriously considered breaking that rule of mine, but I'm, I'm at it today and you just, I don't know what's going to come out. It's going to be, I hope it's entertaining if nothing else, right? It'll be entertaining for you guys to hear the ramblings of a psychotically sleep deprived man. (laughs) Let me just give you a quick rundown of the show and do some housekeeping. Of course, I have to remind you the TOG hotline. I forgot to do this in last week's intro. The TOG hotline. We love it. Like I, I can't even tell you how cool it is when people call in and they give me their advice. They, they contribute to the show. They do whatever they want to do with this phone number. So 216-352-3864. I'm going to ask you to call in for some stuff uh, this week in the word on the street. I'll get to that in a little bit, but don't forget that number 216-352-3864. It'll be in the show notes. You can find it there. I think most of the time, if you're listening on your phone, you can just open up the show notes and actually just tap on the number and your phone will call it. Boom. Here's the deal. I don't answer the phone for numbers that I don't know. I'm just that person. So it's going to go straight to the voicemail. You'll hear the the message there saying, Hey, we're recording a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Leave a message. Leave a message. If you mess up, just start over again. It's cool. And, um, we'll take that and we'll use it for the show. If you want to get in on this awesome, awesome way to do awesome way to be a part of the show again, two, one, six, three, five, two, three, eight, six, four. So don't forget that. And of course, don't forget Patreon. Patreon's happening right, right now. You can get in on some really sweet uh, promo items that we've got. I'm going to probably stay tuned for that because I'm probably going to run a, a cool special where we're going to give away a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and that that Tower of Madness contest is still going on. We're still waiting to hit that mark of 25 uh, patrons where we will give away a free copy of Tower of Madness from Smirk and Dagger Games. It's a cool, cool game that you can get for free for just being in at a dollar a month. So 
want to want to tell you guys about that. Let's see. What else do I need to do? You guys know the socials at Theology of Games on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can always contact us by going to theologyofgames.com and hitting the contact page. Also, if you go to theologyofgames.com right now, as of when this episode releases, which is the week of January something, you can uh, you can always get in rare... Blah, blah, blah. There's the sleep-deprived guy. You <laughs> Actually, a little behind the scenes, I didn't have some channels muted and music started playing uh, in my timeline, and that really distracted me because I have very little focus. If you go to theologyofgames.com on the week of, what is it, January 6th or 7th, 8th, today's the 9th, so the week of this week, um, you can be directed directly to the contest, which we'll be talking about. I'll give you an update here as we get to the word on the street, which I think I, I think we're ready for that, don't you? Let's go to the word on the street right now. Okay, so the word on the street is, uh, first of all, I want to get this contest up and running and out of the way. The contest is happening. It's going really, really well. I'm super excited about it. You guys are really digging in on this, and I've posted a few pictures out there, so folks are commenting on those, and we've got tons of people giving their goals for 2019. I'm going to read just a couple of them, and then we're going to move on, but this contest is going till the end of January, so... 11.59 p.m. on January 31st is the last moment that you can enter the contest. Again, this is for a copy of Star Realms Frontiers, which is the newest iteration of Star Realms. It's very, very cool. Go back a few episodes to my review of it. And I think I posted one online as well on the on the blog. You can check that out at theologyofgames.com. And you also get a copy of Hero Realms, which is the fantasy realm version of Star Realms. It plays very similarly. There's a couple couple little tweaks here and there, but it's also extremely good. So you're going to get two great games sent to you. And all you have to do is go anywhere online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and use the hashtag, that's how I roll podcast, and that will get you entered into the contest. It's that easy easy. I have a an app, a software thing online that is tracking that hashtag and anybody that uses it will be entered. It'll be an entry for them in the contest. So here's a few goals that were shared on our Facebook page. Scott Russell Morris says, play everything in my shelf of shame and lose 20 pounds. I'm so there with you. Oh my goodness. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm so right there with you. Uh, I have a big shelf of shame that I've been whittling away at and uh, I could, I could stand to lose a few pounds myself. Michael Shea says one more gaming conventions. Ooh, that would be amazing. I only made it to one actually last year. I only made it to origins because I spent a ton of money on our booth and everything, which was an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it uh, for more conventions, but I really wanted to go to Gen Con and it didn't work out. So uh, I would love to do at least origins and Gen Con this year. We'll see how that goes, but um, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to do that and more playing time. Yes, more playing time. 
again, that goes into that shelf of shame thing. It's just a, a matter of time and time management and that sort of thing. So I think we're going to get that licked this year. I Well, I don't know if I'm going to make it through my whole shelf of shame, but we're working on that 10 by five board and things like that here in the Isley household. So super awesome. Hopefully that'll get, keep going. I'll read a couple more here. Adam Wagenspack, I'm really sorry if I butchered your name, says, one, play more of my games, two, open and organize all of my games and learn how to play them. And then in parentheses, he says, this will make number one a lot easier. Yes, it will. It will uh, definitely help you get those done much, much easier. Uh, let's see one more. Stephanie Shipley says, my goals are to eat healthier and make more time to play board games. Hey, it's interesting how everybody wants more time to play video games. <laughs> I totally get that. And uh, those are some great goals. So there's a little contest update. Keep those coming at us. Use that hashtag. That's how I roll podcast. And we will get you possibly on the show, but you will definitely be entered into the contest to win a copy of Star Realms Frontiers and Hero Realms. Okay, so next up on Word on the Street is, as I teased in the intro... My sister got married over the weekend, which was a great, great time. So I've got a... Here's here's the thing. <laughs> so my sister, I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger sister. And she made the decision, we will say, to ask my brother and I to perform the wedding ceremony. Now, I have been licensed to do weddings in Ohio for a while and my brother got his license through some internet scheme you know whatever uh, <laughs> and she said oh, I would love it if you guys would do the wedding ceremony for me and you can do whatever you want so we we roasted them pretty pretty soundly it was it was tasteful it wasn't thorough and and persistent but we had our fun. We told some stories of our childhood um, and really just had a great time with that. But overall, what I really wanted to say about this particular uh, weekend and this wedding is now, if you guys go back a few episodes, you know, we've been dealing with my dad's uh, diagnosis of cancer and the treatment that he's going under for that. Um, I am very happy to say that since his first chemo treatment, He's been able to eat really well before this tumor that was in his esophagus was making it very, very difficult for him to eat. He was losing a lot of weight. Anything that he was eating was was liquefied. It had to be pureed beyond belief, which is I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I guess if I had to do it to eat and avoid like getting a feeding tube or something like that. I would totally do it, but I can't imagine. My dad likes to eat. He enjoys food. So having to do that for a, about a good month was rough. And like I said, he lost weight. But in the last couple of weeks, he's been eating well. He's been eating just about anything that he wants. And he's put on, I think he's put on like 20 pounds again already, which is great, which is so, so good. We're so very grateful for that. But um, 
I think because of everything that my dad has gone through with cancer, and now here, I'm going to get a little deep with you, all right? I see all the time, um, I see all the time people on Facebook or social media or wherever, when there's like a disaster or something tragic happens in life and in the world or whatever, people, people, especially folks who are of the atheist leaning, they will say, I can't believe, you know, in, in sort of a sarcastic tone, you know, oh, this powerful, loving God would let these tragedies happen. Now, I don't, I don't pretend to know why God does everything that he does, right? Like, that's just, that is no way in my brain can that concept even be fully realized. But what I can say is that with that being the backdrop of this wedding and the celebration, it was much sweeter. My dad was there. He was able to enjoy everything that happened. He was able to, like I said, he was able to eat and be a part of the dinner and the celebration. He had a great time. My immediate family, my my brother and my sister and my mom and dad, and then my wife and our kids we had a blast. We had such a great, great time. It was so loving and warm and just, there was true, true, deep, very deep joy in that day that it was a day that we got to all celebrate and experience together. And I just don't know if it would have been the same if it wasn't with the backdrop of everything that my family has gone through and my dad has gone through in this last month. So when we look at our life and it's very easy, you know, I I look at 2017, we had a baby that was in the NICU for a, a while. We had a house fire. We just, there's been a lot of things that have come at us in the last couple of years. But I look at a day like that and the joy and the celebration and in the face of and in contrast to the realization of how how joyful that day was and how much fun it was that is why we suffer hard times and that sounds maybe sadistic that may maybe sounds counterintuitive but when when we go through those hardships I think it puts in us a realization and it really brings out and accentuates the, uh, the good times. It really points out like, Hey, you better enjoy this time because you know that they aren't all this good. And so that is my take on that. And I just wanted to share that with you because it was so, it was great. It was such a realization. And my wife and I had a very similar conversation to this, like the, this was a great, great day, and it it was even more pronounced. It was even more realized because of everything that we went through. So there it is. That's that's my thoughts on that. That has nothing to do with gaming. Like I say all the time, this is my weekly self-therapy session. So you got to sit in on that one. Um, but now I need to ask you for your advice. <laughs> So here's the deal. We are this weekend going to a Christmas party. So here's the deal with this one. I think I've mentioned this 
last year or maybe the year before. Some very good friends of mine who I work with at a, a local theater, they always have in January the Holly Refuses to Let the Holiday Season Die Christmas Party because when you work in theater like I do and my friends do and a lot of people that I know do, Christmas is really like the time when everybody gets work. Like there's always some kind of show going on. There's something happening in entertainment. So we all work a lot. So having a big Christmas party ahead of Christmas is just not doable. It just, it it doesn't happen because everybody's like, well, hey, that'd be nice to go to, but I've got a show. So what they do is they wait a couple weeks into the new year and they have a big Christmas party. And I've been going to this party Oh man, almost, this will be my like almost 20th time. Like it was like 2000, 2001 was the first time I went to it. It's a fantastic party, great people. And one of the traditions is, is that we always play at the end of the night, a long, big game of celebrity. It's a game that they call celebrity. Uh, It's pretty much, I think time's up is the like box version you can get, but it's the game they play in that episode of The Office when um, Michael and Jan have everybody over. Everybody writes down names on little slips of paper. They all go in a bowl. And you have to try to get your team to guess as many names as you can in 60 seconds. We usually literally have hundreds of names in this bowl. So what I want from you, you can call in. You can use that 216 352 or you can email us by going to theologyofgames.com and clicking contact. Email me your best names for celebrity. Like the whole idea is, is it has to be a character, uh, an actor, a person of some repute, somebody that would, there would at least be two people in the room that would have a chance of knowing. The idea is that, so I always try to go like obscure Star Wars just to make people angry, but I want your suggestions. Let me know the names that I should throw into this uh, and it'll uh, <laughs> it'll be super interesting to see what you guys come up with and I'll pick some of the best ones to throw in the bowl this, e- this uh, weekend. Not this evening because there'd be no time, but this weekend coming up and uh, it'll be a good time and I'll report back next week on how well received those suggestions were. Whoa! Hey everyone, look! It's time for another drive-by review. Okay, so Archmage. I believe it's Archmage. I don't think it's Archmage. I don't know. I'm just going to say this game. I know. See, I interviewed Brenna a couple times who is from Starling Games. She's their PR person. And I believe she says Archmage. Um, and then we'll also have Archmage. 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 So this game, um, I'm going to give you really kind of a, a brief overview of the rules because here's the here's the thing this this rule book is very dense there's a lot of really cool flavor and backstory and really kind of fleshes out this realm that this the game takes place in and it's very very cool there's mystic races there's hybrid races there's all these things that are happening with it but um 
I'm going to get down to it so I can kind of give you a good brief explanation. It's going to be a kind of a flyby, but then I'll, I want to share my thoughts on this game as well. So it is, uh, it's a game that is made up of, there's a game board, but everything that goes onto it is modular. There's a central piece that always goes in the middle, but then there's all these different land types like wilderness and towns and camps. And then there's enclaves where the different races live. There's the hybrid races and things like that. So it's a very, there's suggested setups for, uh, depending on the different types or number of players, it goes two to four players. The goal of the game is to score the most points. You score points by controlling different types of wilderness and you score points by learning magic spells. And the game box says, I want to say it's 90 minutes, 90 to 120. And that is definitely accurate. This game takes some time to play. So that's the quick overview. When you set up the game, there's a bunch of tiles that go face down. Everybody starts in the middle. Everybody has this to start with. They have a possible pile of spell cards that is kept on the left of their player board. You get a player board that has some tokens that track turns because every game lasts a finite number of rounds and turns for each player. Uh, on that board, you also have uh, cubes that track uh, the the relics that you collect. Relics are the resources that you use to spend to cast spells and also initiate followers. You have a group of follower meeples. You get only 15 of the 25 to start with, and there's places on the board that allow you to gain them to be able to use them from your supply. You also have a mage um, a figure or meeple and you have a mage tower meeple and before I go any further all of those components I have the collector's edition and all those components are absolutely stunning they are incredible uh, the player board is two levels so like all the cubes and everything fit into these nice little spots so they don't shift if you bump your board really well done the, the cards have a gold foil they're all, all the meeples are custom cut for each different mage. There's four different colors. They're all uniquely cut. They all look different. The mage towers are all unique. It's great. It really, really looks stunning. So the game plays like this. There are three phases. There is the preparation phase, there's the journey phase, and then there's the end journey phase. When you prepare, it's basically like your housekeeping. Uh, You move one of, there's these planet tokens that go at the top of your board. You move one towards the center, indicating that you're taking a turn. And when all of those tokens get to the middle, that's your last turn. When, what what color of planet you move forward, you get an extra relic on on your main part of your board. So that's a little bit of a generation of, of resources, but it don't rely on that, trust me. And you just make sure your spell book is in place. So they're on the you kind of keep on the left side of your board, you keep all of your spells. On the right side, you have a mantle that you keep your available ones that you know. I'll tell you how that works in a little bit over there. So you're kind of always shifting cards left to right and vice versa. That's pretty much your preparation phase. Your journey phase you get five action points to spend or five movement points. 
And what you can do is you can move to an adjacent hex, which all the tiles are hexes. You can attack. So if somebody has placed one of their followers on a hex that you move into, you can spend a point to kill them off. You get a blood relic. Your opponent gets a blood relic. That's the only way to get the red relics, the blood relics, is to go and kill people. Really nice, huh? Uh, The other thing you can do is explore. So if it's a face-down tile, you can flip it face up. And then each of those tiles will give you certain things. If it's a wilderness one, those are the the wilderness tiles all give you the relics. Um, So there's the five different relics that you can get depending on that. Uh, Towns will let you initiate people. Camps will let you gain people, things like that. So they all have different things for exploring them. But really, you kind of explore everything in the first, I don't know, maybe two or three turns. And then that that kind of goes away. And it really is a matter of going around and trying to control these areas. Because when you move on to an area, you can drop a follower onto that uh, hex for free. It doesn't cost you anything. And now you control it. Once you're done with your movement phase you can uh, then go to your end move end journey phase. And it really depends on where you end up as to what you can do. Basically, if you end on a wilderness, there's not a whole lot there that you can do there. You can put a ward token, which kind of protects one of your followers. It's It just causes uh, an opponent to spend an extra attack to get rid of that before they can kill off your follower. If you end on a town, it lets you gather relics from all of the wilderness places that you control. So that's pretty cool. If you have a bunch of uh, followers dropped out there, you can get a bunch of resources by ending on a town. Ending on a camp lets you get some more, gets you three of your followers out of your supply, puts them in your company so you can use them to place on more places so you can control more of the uh, board. Ending on enclaves is very cool because you can initiate two of your followers, um, or I'm sorry, up to three of your followers, costing you two relics each, depending on which color enclave you're on. And this is where it kind of gets interesting. You, You do that because when you initiate followers, they get put onto your tower board, your player board in the color that you are on. So if you're on a purple, which is time uh, enclave spot, you spend up to six of your possible, uh, six is the max that you can have of your relics, two two each for, for each follower, put them on that spot. Now you've got access to your fundamental, your very basic time spells. You do that for your green nature one. Now you've got access to your green nature spells. This is very cool because now you can start to use these spells. They they let you alter how you take your turns, give you some special abilities, give you protection from other players, things like that. But what becomes really, really cool is if you end your spot, turn on a spot uh, with that's a wilderness spot, you can, instead of putting a ward there, you can build your tower there. Uh, your mage tower. When you do that, then you can end your turn on your tower spot and you can initiate. So you can just pick any one that you want to put on, pay it and put a, a follower on that outer circle. But this board has sort of a, almost like a Venn diagram look where all of the circles overlap. So you can actually, um, the other thing you can do on that 
turn when you're ending on your tower is you can promote and you take two followers from adjacent circles and they basically thematically what's happening is they're fighting it out to the death to see who gets to move up. Uh, and so you, you move one of those followers to the circle. Well, it's not even like a circle. It's like this slice of two circles that overlaps. Now, the the thing that happens is you've, you've lost those two fundamental spells unless you've got other followers there, but you get an advanced spell that uses both types of those magics that you're, that are overlapping. Then you can actually overlap those overlap again, and it goes to a master level of a certain type. It's really hard to explain because you, it's very visual how it works. Once you see it, it makes perfect sense. But it's a very cool sort of tech tree way that you gain and lose control over certain spells and certain magic. And uh, that is really one of the trickiest parts of the game to sort of master. Because, and you need to do that because you gain points. You get one point for controlling for having spells of the fundamental level. You get two points for your advanced and four points for your master level spells that you have available. So it becomes a big part of the scoring at the end. Once everybody has taken a final turn, this, well, here, before we get to that, when you are ready to take your final turn, you've moved all of the planet tokens to the center. You then take your final turn and then you score. You get two points for co- for controlling each of the different five types of wilderness. So whether it's uh, a, a green for nature or the time or whatever, you go through and you score. If you have the majority of those under your control, you get two points each. And then you score for the spells that you have available. Then the next player takes their turn. They do their final turn. And then they score according to the board how it is at the end of their turn. So it's not a matter of who controls what at the very end of the game. It's a matter of what you control at the end of your particular game, which I thought was a really interesting thing because most area control board uh, board games, it's very much like, okay, here's the last round. Do the best you can because then everybody's going to do other things and steal you know, control over this or that. This was do the best that you can, and that's what you get scored for. It it will change, but that's not going to affect your score. I really, really, really liked that aspect of the scoring mechanism. After you do that, everybody scores up. Whoever has the most points wins. There's a few tiebreakers, um, but it it came down. I think it was like a three-point game, the game that we played, and it's it's fun. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on it right now. So the my thoughts on this game, first of all, like I said, the rule book is very dense. There's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of theme in it, and it's all very cool. I Honestly, I didn't read a lot of it because, because of the density of it. Um, the learning curve was pretty steep. I played a two-player game with one of my very, very experienced gamer friends, and just the way that the rule book was written... Uh, it, it took us some time to get into the game and get it set up and learn. But I will say once we got like two turns in, we were good to go. There is, I will say there is a quick start guide and it's fairly accurate and you can really kind of get into that and get going if you wanted to go that route. 
It's also very good for quick references and things like that. So I'm not saying that to like knock the game. I'm just saying like you're going to put some effort into learning this game. But once you learn it, the the gameplay is very, very intuitive. It's very simple, um, but it's it's very thinky. There's a lot of sort of crunch to this game of, you know, planning out your turns, using your spells correctly, resource management with all those relics and the things that happen there. And then this very interesting sort of tech tree that you grow your spellbook by initiating your followers and by uh, learning the different spells and controlling different spheres of magic and things like that. Um, so it's, I first of all, I, let me just get it out of the way. I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was really fun and really thinky. I'm going to enjoy playing this game with my gamer friends. This is not a family game night kind of game, in my opinion. I wouldn't even think of putting this on the table with casual gamers. Um, there's just so uh, enough to it and there's enough thinkiness to it that I really would see casual gamers kind of getting, uh, even if they're not prone to analysis paralysis, I see that being an issue uh, with, with a casual gamer. So I would definitely say this one falls in the gamer's game category. And again, that's not a knock. I love it, it because of that. It's a great, solid uh, game that is really tightly designed. I don't really see many chinks in the armor here necessarily. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with it. We we really, really enjoyed it when we, we were finished. I was like, I would play this again. And it took us a good couple hours to play. I was like, I would set this up and play this again because now I would probably, maybe my first couple turns I would do a little differently. Um, although I won, so I wanted to go out a winner. But <laughs> I really enjoyed, like I said, the resource management of it. I enjoyed that the scoring was simple. A game like this, you could see like, oh, well, you have to have a certain thing here and this. Like I could see there being really fiddly kind of things going on with the scoring system. Uh, when I read what the scoring system was, I was like, that is pretty simple. That it, it allowed everything else to free up. I didn't really have to worry about too much in the game thinking of the scoring system. I just was like, I have to try to control as many of these different types as I can of the wilderness uh, locations. And I have to learn as much of the magic as I can. That's that's the goal of the game. That's how I how I win this game. So I really enjoyed that about it. Uh, again, I, I I already said the components look great. It's a really outstanding looking game. Of course, I've got the collector's edition, so I can't really speak to the base game. But if you're going to get it, just spring for the collector's edition. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's great. And uh, I, I really, really think this is a, a solid, solid game. I think there's an expansion, if I'm recalling, that has already kickstarted for it. We're actually uh, in like late, late stage development on an expansion for Archmage. I believe that gives you more spells and things like that, which I, I could appreciate. I could see that being really cool. Uh, definitely more plays would give me more familiarity with all the spells and the things that I want to do. So that would be cool. I think there's a lot of replayability because of that and also because of the random sort of way you shuffle the tiles and deal them out onto the onto the board is also going to ratchet up that uh, replayability. The one thing I will say is 
you need to be aware that this is a game that uses six spheres of magic, right? So there's time, there's matter, there's nature, there's will, but there's also blood and death. So there's black and red. And usually in a game that uses magic and has black and red, you can usually guess that those are going to be kind of on the darker side of things. So those spells and that, you know, you're using death and blood as a resource. So just know that. Um, I, I kind of, actually I shied away. I don't think I used any of the death. I never once uh, had a, a, a follower learning the death magic. So I never had a death spell. I did get uh, a follower on the blood. There was a really good spell that was uh, in that, in that sphere. So it is possible to play the game and avoid that. Um, if that is something that gives you pause, um, you can do that. I actually, I won the game by doing that. So that is possible. Uh, but you, you should know that that is thematically how the game works. And uh, honestly, I kind of just found myself using the verbiage of instead of casting a spell and, and that kind of thing, I was like, all right, I'm going to run this. Like it was almost like I was running a program or a, a, a procedure or some sort. Uh, I would, I would run this spell and that was just kind of my, I didn't even I necessarily consciously do that. I just kind of started doing that. I was like, Oh, that, that works. It makes it feel less dark and magey and stuff, which again, that's the theme of the game. I get it. So, you know, take that for what it is, but that's just kind of where I came down on that is, I, I wanted to see, because as I was reading it and we were learning it, it's like, I just wanted to see, is it possible to focus on certain types of magic and stay away from the darker things? And it is. So that I was really happy to see. Um, obviously, if you're more balanced, you're going to be able to score more points with your magic spells and things like that. But uh, at the end of the day, it worked out well for me and I was able to still win the game. So there it is. Those are kind of my recommendations and my thoughts on Archmage. I really think this is a really well-designed game. I really enjoyed it. Um, It's definitely for the gamers. So if you are a gamer that would you know, fall under that sort of category of gaming. This is definitely something you want to check out from Starling Games. Okay, I'm out of here for now. I'm going to try to get some sleep, but I also have some editing to do to get this show going. Thanks so much for listening. Again, don't forget to call into the TOG hotline 216-352-3864. Really appreciate all of the folks that do that. Call in, write in, give me your suggestions for Celebrity this weekend. You got to get that in quick because that's coming up Saturday. And, um, you know, thanks for listening. If you like the show, get those five stars in there on iTunes, uh, on Spotify, wherever it is you're listening. Give us a rating and a review. Hit us up with uh, a subscription. And of course, the most important thing you could do is share the show. Share it with folks that you think would enjoy it, that like hearing some guy talk about random board games and his sister's wedding and things that are going on in life. Uh, I really appreciate the folks that share the show and uh, get the get the word out there. 
Don't forget, oh, don't forget the contest. I got to remind you about that. Use the hashtag, that's how I roll podcast. Share your goals for 2019, and you'll be entered to win a copy of Star Realms Frontiers and Hero Realms, courtesy of White Wizard Games. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And until we come back with another episode next week, if you're drinking caffeine, you're a cheater. And <laughs> if you don't agree with me, it's too bad because I'm Jeremiah Isley, and that's how I roll. Thanks for rolling with us today. That's How I Roll is produced by Jeremiah Isley and brought to you by Theology of Games. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and drive safe. Mm-hmm.